Hello and welcome to the Spell Session with Sage, episode 15. It is your host, Sajal, with you. Today's episode is going to be a heavy one. It is a very important conversation I have been wanting to have on this podcast for a very long time. And I've touched on it briefly with different guests and I'm so grateful to them. And in this episode, we go into depth of somebody's story and that somebody is Ashi. Um, if you don't know her, she is from Wikimwe. If you're from Wikimwe listening, I'm sure you know who she is. She's a very talented dancer and an amazing human being. And I'm not very close to her personally, but I think after this session where I interviewed her, I really have just so much respect for her. So before we get into this episode, I would like to say a few disclaimers and also provide trigger warnings because this episode is going to deal with very, very heavy and sensitive topics. So I would like all of you to be aware and make a decision before, obviously, to see whether or not you want to listen to it. Please, if this is going to trigger any sort of trauma, please don't listen to this episode. In this episode, we will be talking about three main things that could trigger traumas. Number one, that is SA. SA is sexual assault. Number two is abuse, whether it is physical, emotional, sexual abuse, and also suicide. I will be giving you timestamps as well right now. 18 minutes for physical abuse. 39 minutes, sexual assault. 47 minutes, suicide. And now I would like to provide a few disclaimers as well. So this is Ashi's story. And I don't know any of the other parties involved, very honestly, except for Ashi. And right now, I only want to focus on her story. Ashi is my senior who is a sexual assault survivor and she basically took to social media last year, end of last year, to expose her assaulter and she took a break from social media, she came back with more evidence and that's when I reached out to her and I reached out to her the first time as well, just like sending her all my love and support from any way I can and this time I was like, this is amazing what you're doing and I fully support you and I fully believe you and I want you to come on the podcast if you want and if you're comfortable with it to talk about your experience and shed light on this topic and she was very happy to come on and share her story so to her I thank her and if you're from the assaultist side and if you've found this podcast I'm pretty sure you don't know who I am because I also don't know who you are and if you found this podcast I do understand that there are two sides to the story but I am choosing to listen to hers and I am choosing to believe hers. And that is my decision. And that is why I'm having her on my podcast. And never for one second have I doubted anything that she has revealed, despite not knowing Ashi personally. So once again, I want to just give another trigger warning. We will be going through details of the experience. So if this triggers any sort of PTSD, any sort of trauma in any way, first of all, I'm sending you all my love and I'm giving you big big hugs and support but please don't listen to the episode I will be providing a lot of resources in my IG at the spill sesh with sage when I promote this episode and on my Instagram at sagealxx as well I hope I really hope that this does justice for Ashi and I really hope other survivors will feel some sort of justice and some sort of community when they hear this episode. I am sending so much love to anyone who has gone through this because no one deserves to go through this. I know this was a rambly intro, but I really think this is very important to get out before we get into the episodes because it's dealing with something so heavy. 
Alright, let's just get into the episode right now. Thank you, Ashi, once again. Hello, Ashi. Welcome to the Spill Sesh with Sage. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's uh, early in the morning and I'm very fresh right now. Great. Yeah, I know. Thank God for doing it early because like at least then I can edit it later. And yeah, also I was supposed to go for lunch with my grandparents, but then they decided that they were too busy for me oh and they cancelled. So I was like, oh well. Never mind. But let's introduce you. So to me, I think you are an amazing dancer. I've been following you since we can we. I mean, obviously, because that's how we know each other. We're from the same school. And I always stalk your dance videos. I am obsessed with your dancing. Oh my god. Okay, thank you so much. I don't think I'm like that amazing of a dancer. But to hear it from you, that's a real compliment. No, no. You are. So when did you like get into dancing? Was it always a passion of yours? Um, I've always like dwelt in the arts, but I've never tried dancing before. So when I entered uni, I went to join this like K-pop dance club because you know K-pop seems like a very um general uh, genre of dance. Mm-hmm. So that's where I went into like for dance and started my journey there. Ooh, and then from there, like, did you like go into different genres of dance, or did you stick with that? Um, I stuck to like K-pop for like three years, but just recently I am starting to like go for like proper classes outside and like trying urban hip hop. Yeah, nice, so fun. You should really post more dance videos, honestly. Um, if I have the confidence to do so, I will. <laughs> you really should. You really should. It's always really good. But other than a dancer, you're also communications major and almost graduating in a few months. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, so um, I'm in my final year. I just completed my final year project and just waiting to finally um, take that graduation scroll. Yes. Are you guys going to have a virtual graduation or are you going to like get one in person? Honestly, I don't even know. They don't. They haven't released oh, any no. details, but I hope it's physical so that I can actually, you know, take pictures with my friends and have my family yeah. there, right? I think by... Th- what, what, what month are you guys graduating in? Um, I think in like June or July. I think you should be fine, right? I don't know. Like, we've had physical events since then. Mm, I'm we'll just hoping. See. I don't want to like jinx it. Yeah, I know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that you guys get your physical graduation and you can, you know, hang out with your friends. And uh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to be there. I'm waiting <laughs> for this year to zoom by and also graduate. I want to get out of school. <laughs> same girl, same. I know. But anyway, the real, you know, reason why I have you on today on the show, I reached out and you were so um, willing to come on and tell your story. So basically, uh, she, she, in October of last year, or when, when did you post everything? Was in it October? October, yeah. So in October of last year, you posted a couple of Instagram stories and you were brave enough to expose your assaulter and shed light on this situation. So, well, for like to you know standardize like as you mentioned in your stories, we'll name him as W. Mm-hmm. So maybe why don't you just take me through like that time when you decided to post everything and what you posted about and all of that. Um. So at that time, um, it was in late October, and I posted a series of Instagram stories that told, um, a little bit more about the things that I went through during my relationship, for example, um, when I witnessed him um, doing some um, sexual offences to both me and some girls, and I decided to put it on Instagram to raise some awareness about what he's been doing, and also to finally let off like um, a lot of things I've held back for the past t- two years when I was in the relationship with him. And um, that's where the Instagram stories are- originated from. Mm-hmm. 
So you were with this person you mentioned for one and a half years or two years. Yeah, uh, one and a half years. So maybe you want to like take us through the relationship itself or like when, how old were you when you guys met or like how you met and who is he? And you know that you mentioned that he's quite a respected person in the dance community and stuff like that. Right. Um. So um, I joined my club when I first went into uni. So he joined in when I was in year two. And at that point of time, I was about 22 years old. And he actually came from another modern dance club in NTU. So there was a lot of word about him, you know, like people were talking about him. But I've never really gotten to know him personally. So um, when he joined, he was actually in a couple item that I was in. And we were both being paired up in the item because both of us uh, were the, the ICs of the item, the in charge of the items. And so through this item, we got closer and closer. And um, honestly, when we were getting closer, a lot of people came up to me and told me like, oh, there's some, there's some rumors about him going around, you know, there's, he's a womanizer and he hits on a lot of girls. And there were instances where he might have taken advantage of some girls. But because I'm the type of person who's like, okay, this is like an underdog story, maybe like, maybe he's been misunderstood. And the way that I knew him was different from the way that everyone knew him. And I just felt like I should just give him a chance, no matter what, even if I heard all these bad rumors. Yeah, but I think this was honestly the first red flag that I should have, um, that I should have seen coming, but I just ignored it. So um, we got together eventually from the event, from the item itself. And he really wanted to be like boyfriend and girlfriend at first. But I told him like, I don't know you enough. You know, we should just keep it slow and like start dating. But we agreed that it was going to be a close relationship and that he was going to be loyal even when we're dating. So um, in the middle of us dating, he was to timing me with my friend, like a person that I was very close to without my knowledge and without her knowledge either. So that was another red flag that I should have seen. But because we were still dating and we were new, I didn't want to have so much expectations. So after that, um, he apologized and said that um, he will wait for me because I had to go through my exchange. And so we did long distance relationship after that. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So he was already two-timing you from the beginning. Yes, um, it was very confusing because to him it wasn't two-timing, but to me it was. And Of course it was, of yeah, course I, it was. I mean, it could be. Like I know he said, it's very said. blurry these lines. Yeah, right, like, right. oh, you're not dating, but uh, you're dating, but you're not like boyfriend, girlfriend, so it's not counted. Like. Yeah, that's so confusing. Oh. So to me, I was like, okay, maybe I can excuse that because we've never made it official. Yeah. It sucks, right? How you have to keep making excuses for this. Right. And like, I know. So I understand. I totally understand why, you know, you would have given him another chance. Because also, like, you don't want to believe everything that anyone else says. You don't want to judge someone based on what people are saying until you can make that judgment for yourself, which you did in the end, thank God. But yeah. So... He, so your relationship in the beginning already had like this kind of misplace of trust. Was there like was it always like this? Like was there any like, did you notice anything else in the beginning, or did everything kind of like unfold towards the end? Um, I would say like at the beginning, like after I came back from exchange, we were like pretty chill. You know, we were new. We were in the honeymoon phase. Things we were fight about. It's like oh, why didn't you reply my text? You know, it's very right. It's very like. This small things, but then I think after a while he was starting to be shady. I would re- I would see that he was talking to a lot of girls on Instagram, and he was not very public about our relationship in front of our dance club. Mm-hmm. And I was honestly very chill, you know, because I I don't mind that he was talking to other girls. I was very secure. I didn't have a problem unless there was a reason for me to not trust him. 
But slowly, I start discovering that he's hiding a lot of things from me and being really shady. So when I started to be more distrustful and more intrusive, because I felt like there was a part of him that I don't know, he, was, he wasn't telling me. So every time I question him, he would tell me, oh, you're overthinking, I'm not doing anything wrong. So yeah, and that's when I discovered the flirty text he would send to my other dance club girls. And mind you, like these girls are like seven years younger than him and they are very young, they're very impressionable. And he was doing this while he was committed to me. So um, that was really just one of the, the few red flags that I should have seen coming. And every time I confronted, confronted him, he would just apologize, say he wouldn't do it again and then repeat it. And can you imagine that this is just what my whole relationship was? It was just him lying, cheating, then apologizing and then repeat again. And that would really ruin my psyche and my mind. And to a point where I would think that this is normal, you know, like, okay, maybe every time I apologize, I'll just have to accept it. And this was like a normal in our relationship. So yeah, like, um, I think people don't realize that this cycle of manipulation from a lover does something to you. Like you are so mentally drained and emotionally exhausted and you start to like develop a lot of insecurities and trust issues because you're not allowed to leave the relationship, but you have to accept him for who he, for who he is. And that's the confusing part to explain to a lot of people. Yeah. I think one thing that you mentioned exactly, like you said, you thought that this was normal. And I think on the outside, like people listening to the story, the first, I, I'm sure, people's first thought would be, well, if he was cheating, why didn't she just leave? And the problem with being in an emotionally abusive relationship, right, you are completely manipulated by this person over and over again, lied to, you think that is normal because you are sucked into it. Yes. And no one else is going to understand that unless they've been through it themselves. So, like, it's very easy for people to say, like, oh, yeah, but you should have just left. But, like, no, like, you really couldn't because you were trapped. Yes. Like, I don't think people understand that in an abusive relationship, the, 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 the one who has more power obviously knows his way around. And he knows how to control his, his partner into staying, into forgiving him, for example. Yeah. And, like, with this power dynamic, like, now that you brought that up, so was there always this imbalance of power dynamic? Or did you, did this kind of, again, unfold later on? Because you mentioned, like, you were really secure and content in the beginning. And I'm sure, but, you know, like what you said, is so mentally exhausting. It It's going to happen, the power dynamic. Yeah. So how did that also come into play? Um, I think at first, because we were so chill, um, there wasn't really much problems, only until I started finding out all this um, all these issues that he had and over time I think he had a lot more power in a relationship where he could dictate what happens in a relationship so for example if he were to make a mistake he will say like oh I'm sorry but you have to forgive me and let's move on so I didn't really have a chance to to really speak my mind and I just had to silence myself because like it's gonna be the same fight again and again and I felt so trapped but at the same time I couldn't leave yeah so I think when it comes to like power in the relationship I honestly think he had a lot of power that he wasn't aware that he had. He keeps saying that I was the one with the most power, but I don't think he realized that what he has been doing is actually taking away the power in my rela- in this relationship. And I felt really powerless at the end of it. Yeah. And especially when, you know, that person doesn't know that they have that power. It's very hard to blame them also because once you, you love that person. Yeah. And even if you bring it up, like, you know, I think there's a little bit of this imbalance, but like, and then they'll kind of say like, oh, but I, it's not like you're overthinking, like exactly what you said, you're yeah. overthinking, that's gaslighting. So that's a whole other thing that's also 
you know, with it. And because they have that power, you will be like, oh, sorry, it's my fault. Yes. Just to end the fight. Yep, honestly. So, yeah, yes. it's, right? Because you don't want to get into that all over again. So that's really like, already, I think, all of these things that were probably leading up to whatever did happen later, it's... They, I mean, these are good red flags to, like, also shed light on so that when, you know, hopefully people listening, if they are going through something like this and they're, like, you know, witnessing these things or experiencing, at least that they have now, like, oh, shit, like, this is something wrong. Yes, like, this is a sign that you should totally look out for. Yeah, for sure. And it's very hard to look out for when you're inside. So as outsiders, like, I hope that people can literally take this as like okay i need to like have a checklist like literally they do this like you gotta run yeah oh my god it it is very very messed up so you in your stories you kind of brought us through the entire timeline and so we can do that like we've like we can summarize the timeline and like go through the different stages of what happened and obviously until the biggest thing that happened so at end of 2019, you found out that he was masturbating to other girls' screenshots that he had in his phone for his own pleasure. Yeah. So how did you find out and what was your initial reaction? Um, I found out because like he was trying to show me something on his phone and I saw in his most recent folder, the thumbnail was like a picture of a girl and she was wearing like a tank top and shorts and it was obviously a screenshot. So I could recognize the girl because I've seen her around skate dancing and she's somewhat a micro-influencer. So when I asked ask him about it, he was like, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing and tried to play it off. But I think he realized how uncomfortable I was and he, told, he admitted that he uses these pictures to masturbate to and kept assuring me, oh, it's normal for guys to do that, it's gross, but it happens. And my first response was, wow, I wanted to break up with this guy. He clearly has no boundaries. And he just sees girls as like an object to satisfy Objects. his sexual desires, right? And can you imagine him seeing a girl in a tank top and shorts walking around and thinking, wow, this is a great girl to wang to. Like, that's not normal, you know? So I was really yeah. shocked. And um, I wanted to break up with him, but he kept apologizing and told me like to, to like forgive him. And this is the start of like a very unhealthy habit that he had where he would physically like restrain me he will hug me very tightly uh, to the point where I can't leave and then he will try to beg on his knees for forgiveness and he kept promising that he will never do it again and my mind was blank and I was like so emotionally exhausted and this guy is apologizing and refusing to let me leave so in the end I just accepted his apology again like I always do and I had to go through like everything was normal and the worst thing was that after this whole whole incident he we continued to go for our date and he would like act normal while I was crying in the middle of the date and he'd be like oh my god it's so cute that you're crying and stuff like that and yeah it was so messed up he was like he was he thought that it was cute that I was crying because I was hurt and I think all these are just like small little indicators that he's not as stable well yeah he's not well <laughs> as I thought he was yeah wow and this was just the beginning because there was an incident that you described which I cannot imagine what that must have been like and how emotionally exhausting it is. So you talked about how he was literally patting your head at an arcade, right? Like he was like being all nice and um, being, you know, physically um, connected with you. Hmm. And while doing that, he was filming an upskirt video of another girl. Yes. Um, wow. Uh, this 
this story is really hard to unpack to a lot of people because like even in my memory it's kind of jaded but of yeah course, i'm sure you must have blacked out so many things already yeah so like what i could remember was that um while we were at the arcade he was trying to distract me i guess through the patting of the heads and at the same time he was filming a girl nearby on her skirt and we were approached by two like burly men that like took him and like he, like physically restrained him and i thought that he was you know like fighting a, a person because like he stabbed at them for too long you know i didn't think that he was doing anything wrong and then at that point the two men told me this one is your boyfriend yeah he was filming the inside of that girl's skirt and at that moment wow i just stopped and froze like my mind went blank and i felt like my body was there but i was locked out like there were so many people around us and to to be the girlfriend of someone who just did a heinous crime wow it like like i don't know what to do like is it my fault is it his fault like mm. i don't even know you know like i was so confused at point of time yeah so like after that they reported him to the staff and they took him to the back of the arcade to call the police and i didn't follow along i actually stayed outside with the victim and like nobody attended to us and it was so scary because i felt so sorry for the victim i had to apologize to her because i felt responsible in a sense because i was there when it happened and maybe it was like in my mind maybe it was kind of like my fault like i could have like stopped it from happening and well can i just say am i allowed to like curse on your show yeah yeah okay i was like can i just say like this incident like fucked me up so much i was like never the same since then i can't imagine and i can't imagine you having to take responsibility for your boyfriend's crime and you had to apologize to the victim and i can't like it must be have been humiliating not just like scary it must have been humiliating that that is the person that i'm with and he just committed this so what was that interaction like with the victim how did she respond to you um when i apologized she told me it was okay like she was assuring me that it was fine and that it wasn't my fault but because i like i told you i felt responsible cuz i was with him and i was there and i allowed it to happen and honestly the victim could be fine at this point of time but like can you imagine when she goes home or like months later she when she looks nice. back at it and she's like oh my god this happened to me and if i like i'm as the girlfriend of like the perpetrator i was already so scared and traumatized can you imagine this girl who was oh. assaulted like what was going through her head when it happened so i felt so much guilt i don't think my apologies made a difference because um he never apologized to this victim and he never faced and any of like the consequences of his crimes he was just let scot free after that that's a whole other situation i don't understand in singapore right. where they literally just let them go like why did they mention like why they just let him go like so basically w got away scot free no consequences for this crime yeah. but so did the police say like why he was let go with no um actually the police the police wasn't even called in the end so the two men were very adamant about like calling the police like they really wanted him to call the police but the staff member and the manager i think they didn't want to make a huge scene in the arcade like you know that oh, kind of thing so gracious. um and i think he somehow like managed to like had make a deal with them like oh if i like deleted this videos from my phone can you just like give me another chance that kind of thing and i think that's what that was what went on behind like the closed doors and i wouldn't know because i never asked him about it yeah i was with yeah. the victim and he never told me what happened inside honestly thank god for those two guys man like um came in so these two guys had no idea like they had no relation to the victim they just they, saw no they were like complete strangers who were nearby yeah. and then they just stood up to him and i think like 
honestly, out of everything, these two guys were the most like rational out of everyone. How they handled the situation. Yeah. Like, on like, I really hope that more men or women, whoever's listening, like, if you see something wrong, don't like do. Please do whatever you need to do. Like, do it. Yes. And the fact that they had no idea who that girl was, like, that's so. I don't know, it kind of like draws a bit of like trust in humans. Like, you know, like at least they won't just stand by. I'm so upset at the arcade for like not wanting to cause a scene where this is not a scene. This is a girl's life and exactly. her trauma and you're not bringing justice. And the Singapore law system is a whole other situation. That's, a, that that's another like topic. Oh my God. That's a, yeah, that's a whole other topic. Together. But there was one thing that you mentioned also in your stories that I wanted to bring up. And you said... Uh, quote-unquote, I no longer wanted to defend him. Mm. So what was that mental switch like for you? I think at that point of time, when I realised who he really was, it brought me back to the times that I found those photos of his friends, the times he was cheating on me, and I added up all those instances and this one, and I couldn't make any more excuses anymore. Like I couldn't be like, um, this is normal or anything. It was all against my morals and what I stand for. And the minute he hurt someone else, I didn't want to support that kind of behaviour, especially if it's my fellow female, like, another girl. So that mental switch was just, at the moment, I just decided, no, like, this is, enough is enough already. Yep. Yeah. And you had to hold his things. You yeah. couldn't even leave with the girl. You literally had to, like, wait for him. Yeah, and he was holding my things too, so even if I could just, like, throw his things away, he had, like, my stuff, and I couldn't leave, and being, like, like, I had to be, like, held hostage there until he comes out. How did you uh, interact with him after he came out? And, like, what was that interaction like? Do you remember? Um, after he came out, I didn't give him a chance to explain. I didn't tell him anything. And I, I just told him, like, let's break up. Like, we are broken up already. And I just left. So I threw his things and took my things. And I left the arcade. And the scary thing is that he didn't leave me alone. He continued following me. He followed me home all the way, like in the MRT, in in the bus. And he was also outside my house for like three or four hours. And he wouldn't leave. And I'm I'm coming from a place where this boy just committed like a sexual offence. And I don't know if he would harm me, whether he would do something bad to me. So can you just like imagine the fear that I had when I was home alone, he was outside. And he wouldn't leave. And I didn't know if I should call the police, if I should call my parents. And yeah, it was so traumatizing. And I remember I was texting like a guy friend and telling him like, okay, my boyfriend is outside my house. I'm just letting you know in case anything happens. Like that was the amount of fear that I had. Because I, I no longer recognize this boy as my boyfriend. He was just a different person yeah. to me. Yeah. Holy shit. The fact that you had to tell someone else like, in case anything happens, like, please know that this was the person that was there. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, that was what was going through my head that night. I was just so scared. So, this was at night and he literally refused to go home. Yes, it was New Year's. And, you know, New Year's, everybody's out, you know. Like, obviously, I'll be home alone. And he yeah. they didn't want to leave. He, he said that I'll just stay outside and just, like, think about my actions and stuff. And I'm just like, no, can you do it somewhere else, please? Like, not outside my house. So, then how, in the end, like, did he like how did you diffuse that situation um in the end i had to i had to get out of my house i had to face him and i told him like you have to leave or I'll call the police and yeah he knows me too well the minute i step out and the minute i could see him physically that was when he could just like get on his knees and back he could hug me he could restrain me and like oh like please forgive me and stuff so and that's exactly what he did every time we fought 
and he wanted me to forgive him, he would do it in a forceful way where he would hug me until I accept his apology. And I couldn't move, I couldn't break free. So my mind is always like, oh, if he's restraining me, just agree so that he, this thing will just be over and I could just not be under, like, like I won't be restrained by him any longer. Oh my god, that is so, so scary, honestly. To, to just have to concede to someone, to have to agree to, with someone so that you can feel safe is an experience that no one, no one should ever, you know, had to go through. Yeah. And there was something else that you mentioned, like obviously in the end you did forgive him because he was literally forcing you to. And you said that, but somehow I forgave him for all his actions. And obviously, like we mentioned before, this is something that people who have never suffered abuse will, you know, they, they will never understand. And I hope that they never do. Like, I, I don't want them to, you know. Yes. But how would you explain to people listening why you felt you should forgive him in this situation? Um, I think when you're in a relationship with someone who's abusive, there's still a lot of love in it. You know, you're still, you still care about the person. And there's something about watching your lover back on his knees and saying like, oh, you can you can check my phone, you can delete anything, I'll delete Instagram, I'll quit dance for you, I'll do anything for you to forgive me. And when, when you see this kind of things, there's a part of you that can't help but feel sorry for him because for a moment, the, that, that side of him that you fell in love with comes out and the, 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 the person who did all these crimes suddenly disappear in your eyes and, and then you just accept him for who he is. So... Because he was promising me so many things, he was telling me like he will change, he will he will not talk to any girls, he will block out everyone and just really focus on like recovery. It felt like, oh my god, if he's saying all this, does it mean he's very serious about it? Does it mean that this time is for real? Like the change is for real? And you know, like I think part of it was love, but part of it was also me being scared that yeah. you know, the police were not brought in. Like if I said no, what happens to me? If I broke up, what would he do to me? And there were so many thoughts, like whether it was out of love, out of fear, there's nothing that I can say to fully explain like why I forgave him and what was happening. Because my mind was like a mess. So can you imagine me trying to make decisions after everything that he did to me? Like you that can't. was Yeah, it was so difficult. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand that the decisions I make thereafter after the abuse it's not a reflection of who I am and it's not something that you can use against me and say like, oh, why would you do this and why would you do that? Because you were never in my place. You never understood what was going in my head and it's very difficult for me to even understand myself and how would I explain that to you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You are in a complete different mindset and you're in a complete different situation where all you can think about is I need to be safe. How would you even process oh, do I stay with this person? Do I leave this person? Like, all you need to do is, how do I get out of this restraint? So, I mean, there is, you're right, there is a, absolutely no way to explain and whatever your actions were to forgive, exactly what you said. Like, you couldn't have said it better. It's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of your mental state and yeah. that he put you in. So, this was probably, I, I can't imagine. Like, I really am still in shock. And I think the most sickening thing to me out of this whole thing was as he was committing the crime he was being all lovey-dovey to you yeah and that just is like something is wrong like yes i think I, I, that's something that a lot of people miss the fact that he can switch from one person yeah. to another and then 
people are saying like, oh, he's changed. But I'm like, no, he doesn't change. He's just, he's just, he's just playing up the other side of him. Like the other yes. side can just come back anytime. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand is my fear. And the fact that he could do it at the same time. Right. That's what boggles me. In front of you. Yes. Like, that is very, very <laughs> scary. Forget like, you know, behind your back. Like, oh, you never know what he's doing. He's literally doing it in front of you. Yes, and he knew and it was no, wrong. Like, not even... Of course. Unless maybe he doesn't know that it's wrong. You know, that's all. I don't know. I don't know too. Like, I don't even know what's going on in his head when, when all that was happening. Yeah, so this was end of... 2019. So the yeah. beginning of 2020, you finally broke up. Yeah. So how did that happen? How did you find that strength to finally leave this man? Because after like the arcade incident, like despite saying he won't cheat or lie to me again, he did it even more. Like, oh my God. after all this abuse, he, he, he acted like the perfect boyfriend for like two weeks. And then after that, when he started to like socialize with more girls and then getting out more and dancing more, he suddenly had so much confidence to say like, oh, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to change anymore because I'm no longer that person that I was a few weeks ago. I'm a new, ch- I'm a new changed man. And if you can't accept me for who I am, then just don't date me, you know? And he was, he, like, there was so much manipulation going on. One second, he's like asking me to forgive him. And then the second, he's like, just leave if you want to. I don't need you. And... After that, messes that with your mind. yeah, it messes your mind. And I realized after that, all the chances I gave, he's still going to be the same person. The minute he regains his power and he has friends to fall back on, he can easily just change his mind and he will pretend all the promises that he has made to me will just disappeared out of nowhere. So I just gave up because I really felt like, wow, this was it. Like, there's no way this man is going to change. It's just habits that have been built from like 10 years ago from when he was a very young boy, like this was a mentality he had, it's not going to change just because he promised me and I'm not going to be able to change him. So I just gave up. And you shouldn't have to. Right? It's yeah. not your responsibility. Even though at that time, I know that you were like, this is, he is my responsibility and he needs to change and I am the one who needs to help him change. But like now, you know, I hope that, obviously I hope that you know that it was never your responsibility to change someone that sick in the head and he, he that is his own journey that he needs to go on yes it's, and... it's his own issues right now like there's nothing that i could have done that would have made him a better there person is, exactly there is really nothing you could have done you already did everything you could by suffering and enduring this abuse so that someone else didn't have to and now that you're shedding light on this it's so so important because you are saving so many future girls now whether they believe you or not that's a We'll talk about that later. But you are saving so many future girls from getting together with this man and going through the same thing again. And you are literally being that voice and you are standing up and you're going to... And we'll talk about that, like how the backlash that you received and everything. But I hope you know that like with maybe three people posting horrible stories against you, you have 300 people like supporting you as well. Like I really hope you know that. And people who don't know him personally, people who don't know you personally, I think that's a, like what he has done is just, forget unforgivable, it's, it's heinous, it's, it's a crime. <laughs> and I don't know, and this is like, that's not even the most messed up part. Pretty, like it, it yeah, gets it gets worse. worse. You think that this is the worst it can get, but it just keeps on getting exactly. worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, you have broken up with him finally. 
and then you find out that he was cheating on you. Yes. Or what you this was already you knew about this this was the same girl, right? Um, and no, this is actually a completely new girl. So throughout our relationship, he actually like contacted multiple girls and half of the time these girls didn't know that he was attacked. So I feel sorry for them because they thought that oh my god, an opa is hitting on me, but yeah, but this girl that he cheated on me on towards the beginning of twenty twenty, she knew me. She we were close. We 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 would go home together. I would dance with her so often and then she would be like, it was really messed up because when she met me, she would be like, oh, how's your relationship? Like, oh, do you all do, like, anything fun during Valentine's Day and stuff? No way. And then behind the scenes, she would be like, haha, she told me that uh, you all this and this. And they weren't really, like, they weren't cheating or, like, they weren't in a relationship or anything. But the conversations they had, they were, like, exchanging sexual encounters. They were, like, talking about their partners behind their back. And it was, like, wow, so messed up. Like, this girl was someone she I She was in another relationship as well, right? You mentioned. She, yeah, she was dating someone in the same dance club. And it, even though they were dating, I mean, you need to have some form of loyalty to someone you're dating, yeah. right? Yeah, and so, like, I don't know what went through her head and why she thought that, you know, talking behind my back to someone who is, like, attached and, like, in a very committed relationship with me, like, why would you do that? I just didn't understand up till today. And up till today... She is still supporting him and she's still on his side. And I just don't understand why she's still doing that. But I'm not going to make excuses for her anymore. Yeah. And you shouldn't, really. That That is like... I, it, it baffles me that, like, women would do that to each other. Yeah. Honestly. And, and forget that, like, they, you were close to her. Yes. Like, it's not even a, like, random woman. Like, this is someone that you were close to and on your face like she was like oh how like how are you guys doing and then making fun of oh my god yeah and actually yes. there were instances where three of us would be in the same room and they would like play along to my narrative and then when they got home they'd be like huh did she have suspect anything she didn't right and yeah that messes you up like i was so untrustworthy of like so many people in the club because like i can't even trust my boyfriend i can't trust a close friend who can I trust, you know? Who like, are you going to trust? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... For sure. So, um, this girl that he cheated on you, this friend will name her N, right? Yeah, N. Okay, so we'll name her N. So when Jay, this other girl, posted these stories about you, was this like now or was this later? Um, the one who is, reposted this... Uh, the one that reposted was um, now. She reposted my recent stories. Okay, yeah. okay. So as in like at this point of the story, like... She's not in the story yet, right? Jay, the one who reposted. Um, Jay was a very close friend that I confided to. So she knew what was happening at that point of time. But she was relatively neutral at this point of time. Got it, yeah. got it, got it. Okay. So we'll come to that then yeah, a little bit sure. later then. So now that, you know, you found out, okay, he was cheating on you and everything. Then at the end of 2020, this is when your sexual assault experience happened, correct? Yeah. yeah. So were you together with him at this point or were you broken up? Like, had you gotten back together? Um, so we broke up at the beginning of 2020, but we got back during, like, the circuit breaker period. Right. Yeah. Because so, he didn't want to be alone and all of that. Yeah, probably, to be honest. <laughs> My God. And so what exactly happened during this experience? You can, like tell your story sure so um i will just start with the fact that throughout our relationship he would record me during our intimate moments like without my permission and at first he would do it like very sneakily and then slowly he started like just doing it in my face 
And I stated so many times that I didn't want to be filmed I, because I felt so disgusted and violated like whenever he filmed me and he would make up excuses like, oh, I just want to watch this for later. Like, this is mine. Like, no one else would see it. And to me, like, when he filmed me, it brought me back to the time where he, like, was screenshotting those girls and he was objectifying me the same way that he objectified these other girls. And I just didn't want that to be me. Like, like I was his girlfriend, you know? Like, when, why do you have to film me? like during our intimate moments. So there's this one time in August, he went to record me without my permission and he specifically um, blindfolded me so I wouldn't be able to see him recording. And oh thank God, like I had a very strong intuition because I, I stopped him and I questioned him like, were you filming me? And he denied it at first. And because he could tell I was really uncomfortable, he later admitted that he filmed me. And he said, okay, I'll delete all these videos and um, I'll, I'll never do it again. And at that point of time, I was already so disgusted. So I asked him to get off and he didn't get off. He actually insisted that we continue to the point where like he was putting his whole body weight on me and I had to push him off of me. And I broke down in tears because like I felt like so violated. And he tried to apologize, but like my mind was just blank. Like, you know, like you this this guy was doing so many bad things to other girls. But when he finally did it to me, like I understood like how it really felt to be in the position of these girls. And after that whole incident, I actually found out he had like a photo vault app on his phone and that could only be open with like a passcode. And before he could show me anything on it, he deleted all the photos. So this was in August, 2020. This is months after like everything that happened. I don't know if he was still doing what he was doing. I don't know if there were any more videos of me. Like I just, I really had like, no idea what this man was truly capable of until this yeah. point of time. Yeah. What you went through and what you described, I like I am so, so incredibly sorry you had to go through that. Like no one, no one should ever have to go through that and feel so violated and trapped in that sense like I cannot imagine with his body weight on you like and I'm sure you must be a big person like and you, you're quite petite and you know so that must have been so so scary yes and I mean like I mean he, he was really a lot bigger than me and I really felt like at that point of time it brought me back to the time when he restrained me you know like all those times that he restrained me but this time he was actually hurting me for real and that was yeah. that, that was the most scariest part this, the sad thing is that like, you, you say that this is, like, him hurting you for real, but actually he's been hurting you the whole yes. time. And this was just the most, I guess, like, what society would deem this is hurting. Because that's what you know. And this is finally maybe something that broke you out. Like, okay, this is not normal. Because everything else that he hurt you with, the restraining, the hugging, the lying, the emotional abuse, the manipulation, that was all hurting you. But you thought that was normal mm-hmm. in that time. And finally, when something happened where you're like, this cannot be normal. And that's what, like, you know, really shook you out of it. So, I mean, how, what happened after that situation? Did you finally, like, end it? Or did you still feel trapped to stay? I felt really trapped to stay because um, I didn't know what to do. I was so scared that I didn't tell anyone about it. And I was going to ask you, did anyone know about this? Um, I didn't tell anyone until maybe a month later because I was so scared. I went to contact Jay and like another guy friend, the same guy friend that I told about him like waiting yeah. outside my house. And I asked him like, he filmed me. Then I was saying like, it's a crime. 
Like at that point of time, I didn't know that, you know, filming your someone without permission, even without if they were your girlfriend, time. yeah, it was a crime. And I didn't know until I talked to, to like these friends and then they were like, this is a crime. Like what he did is really wrong. Like he shouldn't be doing it. And that's when I realized like the severity of it. You know, I was already getting over the fact that um he filmed me and everything. I was trying to get over that trauma. But knowing like this is actually illegal and he can be charged for it. I was just like, what has he done to me? And after that, I think that's when everything went downhill. Like our relationship was just, it was just months and months of me with so much like bottled up anger that I finally exploded. And I just said that I didn't want to do this anymore. And you finally ended it. Yeah, so... Um, actually How did was, you manage to leave, though? It wasn't actually... We actually... Every time we broke up, it wasn't about, like, these incidences. It was just where moments where he was just like, I'm not going to change. I don't want to change. Like, you can... You, you, you don't have to, like... I don't want you to control me anymore. And that was what he... That, that was why he just wanted to let go. And I saw that this was just... Okay, he's not going to change. I'm just going to leave. That's just, that's just how we ended our relationship, though. Because like, I couldn't and he finally any- let you leave. Yeah, and I finally leave this time. Oh my god. And this was last year. Yeah, this So right before, that means everything that you posted it on Instagram. How, like, what was the, like, timeline? Like, from when you posted and, like, when you had actually finally broken up with him? So, um, we actually broke up first. <clears throat> it was, like, something that I saw coming. And I kept telling him, like, you can't just get away with the things that you do. Like, you have to own up to it, be responsible. And he was like okay, then what, what are you going to do about it? Like, there's nothing you can do about it. And he was like, you want to expose me? Just expose me. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy, he's not going to change. The, the police probably can't do anything at this point because like, we never reported to the police. And the only thing I could do was to just post on my Instagram stories to really show people who he really was and so that he couldn't do this to any other girls. And that was that why I posted stories. so brave. Like that, you know, first of all, to do that to anyone, like, uh, to be able to expose someone like that, that is, like, scary. Because that means you've also accepted, you know, that this happened to you. And that is a whole other journey that you have to go on. And you must have want, went on already. And then to let alone expose someone that you know people know. And you know people are going to support him. And you know they're going to come back to you. Like, I think I cannot imagine. At that point, you must have been like, I have nothing to lose. Yeah, honestly, I was... At that point, of time, like you said, I really had nothing to lose. I was just like... If I don't say anything, it's even worse than if I were to say something. Like, I don't care if my reputation is going to be tainted, if people are going to be like, what is wrong with this girl? If out there somewhere I'm like saving one girl at least, then it was all going to be worth it to expose him yeah. for who he really is. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely know you and I'm sure you did the right thing, but like, you really did. And no matter what people say and no matter what they're going to say, like, at the end of the day, facts are facts. Evidence is evidence. Right. And anyone can call you crazy, manipulative, whatever, but no one can deny the facts. So, you know, there's nothing that they can really say or do that would change what he has done. Exactly. And there was one thing, as like, you know, you mentioned that you had really nothing to lose. And if you're okay talking about it, you mentioned that you were contemplating taking your life. Yes, I was. was. Like, I to be at that rock bottom first of all what did that feel like and how did you snap out of it I think more importantly how did you come out of that I think um when I was really suicidal all I felt was so powerless like I had no 
control over anything at all. And to me, it's like, I'm a very strong person, to be honest. I'm someone who can get you through. You are. Like, even before, like, you this are. whole thing, I was honestly a strong person, but I've really reached my maximum. I've really reached the point where I'm so helpless that I don't know what to do. I feel so trapped and I'm so suffocated. And to me, the only option was to just, like, liberate myself and to really just not experience any of this anymore. But I think what really got me through it was the fact that, like, I had a loving family. I had lovely friends. And if I was going to let one guy and a few people just take me down, then it's not fair to my parents and my friends who really, really love and really care for me. And I think it's just not nice for them to discover one day that their little girl is gone. It's just not fair to them. They have done so many things right. And because of one incident from this guy, I'm not going to take my life away just because of that. And I think that was what really put me through. And I told myself, like, if, if like, I can't make things better, at least get my story out there and help someone. And that was the only thing that was keeping me going. My God. That kind of rock-bottom feeling is... I mean, you managed to explain it, but I don't... It's unexplainable. It really is. And I'm so happy to hear that, you know, you have that support system where that is what got you through it, the love that you have and the love that you know that you're surrounded with. And I'm so, so glad that that got you through it because you're here today, you're telling your story and you're going to help so many people, like, honestly, through this. And I really hope that justice is served and he gets, you know, what he deserves. I I really, really, truly hope that he does. And actually, speaking of this justice and him getting the punishment that he deserves, we also you know, touched on, like, reporting him to the mm-hmm. police or you didn't report him to the police. And I think this is something that when people hear about sexual assault victims, the first question is either, well, why didn't you say it when something happened? Or why didn't you say this sooner? Just go to the police. Like, these are some things that people commonly say, maybe unintentionally, like, I don't think they think it's bad. They're like, but mm-hmm. why? Like, why? Why? So can you explain your viewpoint about this? I think firstly is like people don't understand that abusive relationships are extremely hard to get out of and to navigate. And, mm-hmm. you know, the abuse makes the victim feel so powerless and responsible for the things that happen. So they become too scared to speak out because their power has been stripped away in the relationship yeah. and the trauma persists out of the relationship. So they didn't want to report because they might feel like nobody's gonna listen to me and what if I tell the police and they ask me questions like oh why didn't you report sooner like these kind of questions and I'm too scared to go to the police like you go onto the news and you see like sexual assault victims not getting the justice they deserve and you feel like okay that's gonna be me you know if I report the police and then what I'm just gonna be another case number and then they're just gonna shove me to one side and I'll never get the justice that I have so that's why I didn't report to the police because I didn't feel like the police was a way like I don't think that was a good solution to it and it wouldn't end well and also like I also feel inclined to protect my partner sometimes because making a police report if it does get through this is going to be in his permanent record and at a point of time all I could care about was like I already I already I already like exposed him on Instagram and if I ruin his reputation I'm going to ruin his career I'm going to like really ruin his life and at point of at a point of time I thought it was my fault so I was just like, okay, I'm not going to report the police because I, I need to protect him still. You know, I've done so much wrong to him. I just need to protect him like one last time. And I honestly, I wish I didn't have that mindset because 
if I still had that mindset now, he would still be protected. He would be enabled and he was just going to do what he's going to do again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy how you literally, after everything you he did to you, you still felt that you hurt him. And that just really, really goes to show the trauma and the consequences of abuse and what that does to you and how responsible you feel for everything even though it's nothing like it's not your fault at all but you still feel, felt that need to protect him and I mean that just says a lot about you I think positively also and like you said like you managed to get out of the mindset I think that's the most important thing but it is also important to explain what that mindset was right. so that people can understand or like at least try to you know understand and so instead of going to the police, what was the tipping point that made you think, okay, you don't want to ruin his life completely, but you want some sort of justice to be served. So you took it to social media instead. Yeah. What was that like mentality? What was that switch like? Like, okay, not the police, but let's do something else. Because I knew that at that point of time, if I were to report the police, it's going to take months, years of investigation and he's not going to yes. feel like, the consequences of his action. And I knew he wouldn't change. I knew if I didn't do something, another girl was going to be next. So, you know, reporting to the police is one thing because um, they will do it through the legal system, but nothing much happens in society until he's being investigated. And so I felt like I needed people to know how dangerous he is and who he really is. And if I didn't say something, another victim might pop up, especially in our K-pop, like, dance club, where there's so many girls who will easily fall for his attention. I needed, like, to keep at least one girl safe. And if me publicizing what he did was going to raise awareness about his actions, then that was all that mattered. That's why I wanted to post it on, online instead of like making a police report. Because when I make a police report, it's going to be confidential until like investigations start. And I cannot, yeah. I cannot like raise that waiting time and have him strike another person within that time. Yeah. So I just want to make it public so that people will know what he's capable of. And that this is a warning. Oh, gosh. What was the reaction like when you posted it? Because I know that you went off social media again after that, right? Mm. And like, you know, you waking up the next morning, what happened? Like, how did you feel? What was the reactions from your friends, your family who found out after that? Um, I would say that it was very mixed reactions. Like, uh, I would say acquaintances on Instagram, like, for example, for like you, um, you guys were so supportive because you guys saw the story for what it is, which is a sexual assault yeah. story. But um, not many of my friends who were in this K-pop dance club came up to me um, to ask if I was okay. I think they were still very impartial because they knew him and me. And even when I was um, telling my story, I don't know if they fully bought it, if they were, like, um, whether they believed me but I would say like in general everybody was super supportive but I felt like the support that I really needed was from my dance club because that's where that's where we had a mutual like space to share and I think that was really what broke me because those were the people that I was trying to protect and yet they felt like they didn't need it and they felt like they didn't believe you. they didn't believe me yeah so I think that was where it really hurts. Like, it's great for me to get support. I think getting support from, like, strangers and friends and family, that was great. But still, like, 
I felt like my purpose, yes, my purpose of like posting those stories weren't reaching what I intended it to be. Yeah. You just need someone and you need specific people to believe you, to feel like, okay, I can take a breath now. And even though, like like I said, like you have 300 people supporting you, 3,000, however many people supporting you, it's amazing, but you need that specific people. You need actually more than anything, you need your perpetrator to believe you. Yeah. And the more he denies it, the more he gaslights and says, well, that didn't happen. You start to question yourself. Did that actually happen? Am I being crazy? I, am I sure? And all of that. So like, I, I totally understand what you're saying that, you know, you needed them to believe you. And till today, they're still not really, you know, fully on board, right, with the story. Yes, they're still doubting me and they're still... Taking sides. I don't even know why they're taking sides because this wasn't even yeah, about taking sides. This was me just saying like, you have to be careful of this person. You don't have to support yeah. me fully. You don't have to like me as a person. You just have to accept the fact that he did those crimes and he needs to face the consequences for it. That was how simple it was for me in my brain. But yet, people... It is. Yeah, and yet people make it seem like it's a side that they have to choose. It's never a side. It's just you have to face the facts. Yeah, and I, it's funny that people take sides. It's not even like, oh, you know, these two people who just, you know, they when your relationship didn't work out, okay, fine, take sides. Like, one person was correct, one person was wrong, whatever. This is not even a, a right or wrong situation that, oh, she was in the wrong, he was... In the, no, this is, like, legal and illegal, crime, no crime. Yeah. Like, do you know? And it baffles me that people are taking sides. Like, this is not a... This is not a movie. This is not a book, you know? Like, okay, I'm going to choose this character. And this is, like, yeah. real life. So it's just immature. And it's just, like... People just... You know what? Maybe they just don't want to believe it. And they're just in denial as well. And that's not for you to fix. You've done your part. Yeah. More I, than you should have. More than you could, honestly. And you did it. So I know that, obviously, at the end of the day, like, that belief from them is the thing that's going to really, like, help you. But... I hope that, you know, you also mentioned that, like, your therapist said, at the end of the day, it's your opinion that matters, not anyone else's. So, like, do you think you believe that now, or are you still waiting on that belief from other people? I think there's still a part of me that takes a lot of validation from people, and, like, yes. um, a lot of my thoughts, I feel like for, for it to be, val- to be valid, I, I need people to be like, yes, this is your 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 experience is valid. You should be able to feel like it's okay for you to feel that way. And I'm still working on that. But like what my therapist said, like honestly, like any amount of support is not going to help you through if you cannot put yourself in the mental state of being able to accept that you were a victim, being able to accept that what he did was wrong, and being able to accept that there was nothing that you could have done to fix the issue. And I think once I've get gotten myself into that mentality, that's when I will honestly find like peace within myself and to be so fully assured and to be so confident in my in my choices and this is something that I'm still working on until today um it's not yeah, gonna be easy but it's I have not, to do it it's not it. gonna be fast it's not gonna be easy and like it's great that you're so honest with your recovery journey that this is a journey it's not <laughs> gonna be overnight it's not gonna be okay 10 sessions of therapy and I'm okay like this is something that's a lifelong journey that you're embarking on and like I can't wait to see you find that inner peace whether it's tomorrow whether it's 10 years later whatever it is I know you will I just know that also it's gonna take a very long time and I think that honesty that you're showing will resonate with a lot of people as well who have been through you know similar situations like this and one thing you also mentioned is how like 
accepting that you are now a victim. I think there was something that you mentioned also like you want to kind of change that mindset of like okay you are a victim but like you are a victim like in like in a way to empower yourself. Yeah. In fact, you know what? I think you're a survivor. And victim is fine it's a word and whatever it's a choice of word but I think really like what you did you really survived through this whole thing. How has that journey been in changing that mindset of this is something that sucked that happened to you this is something horrific that happened to you but this is something that's going to empower you. Are you on that journey or how are you now like with that? I think um 6 months ago when I first posted the stories in October I was in a mindset of like oh, this happened to me and I I'm a victim and at that point of time it was more of like pity at that point of time like oh, this happened to me I just wanted yes someone to like tell me like it's okay it's it's okay to have to go through this but I think I'm at that point of time at that point of like my life where I'm just like this has happened and I can't change the fact that this is this is part of like my life already and if anything I can do is to just change my mentality and take this experience as something that can help other people that can empower me I used to be so scared of being referred to as a girl that he, that he sexually assaulted but now like I think the title like oh the girl he sexually assaulted and like rebutted him that's like a badass title for me and Um, It is the yeah. girl who exposed her assaulter. Yeah, so I used to be scared of that title. I used to think like, oh, people are gonna think I'm a bitch. Um, I'm like, um, gonna victim like I'm just like victimizing myself. But you know what? Like, this is my experience. This is my story to tell. You cannot take away these experiences from me. And after I realized that, no matter what people say about me, no matter what sides they take, is the only story that matters was mine and my experience. So that really switched me from. the victim like the victim mentality to the victim mentality yes yeah and yeah that was really what was going through in my head like when when i was going through like my recovery stage mm-hmm. and like as you go on this recovery stage at the end of the day yes you are this amazing person this badass who like exposed him and then they this whatever that's happened to you one day it's not going to define you at all and one day you're going to realize that like you know i'm a dancer I'm a graduate. I'm this and I'm that. And this is one thing that happened to me and that's a part of me that will always be there, but I'm so much more than that. Yes. And you being a survivor, you being a victim, whatever it is that you want to say is not all of who you are. It is a big part of who you are, but you are literally that's why I wanted to introduce you first as a dancer. I don't want to introduce you as a survivor or whatever. <laughs> like you that's who you are to me. You're still this like, oh my god, this amazing like performer or whatever, you know. <laughs> So I hope that you know you see yourself like that one day too that there is so much more to you that defines you and not this horrific incident that did happen. Definitely. And the sad thing is that he you mentioned he is now kind of accepted back into the club even yes. though they assured you that he will be nowhere near you. Yeah. So how did you feel when Or you can like take us through this, like what exactly happened, and how did you feel when you heard this news that he's going to be in your vicinity again, even though they told you he's not going to be. Yeah, so he uh, the whole committee basically assured me that he wouldn't be let back in because he is a danger to both me and the girls in the club, and so I thought I had the committee's word. I thought I could trust them to make the decisions of the right decisions, but when when I realized that he was considered back into the club, I was sort of devastated. Like I felt so injustice. Like. Was my experience not valuable at all? And were the promises that you made to me did not matter? And I think a lot of it was because I felt like there was a lot of personal feelings. They were his friends, 
and they were making decisions even though they weren't the ones experiencing the abuse. You know, they, how how could they be the ones deciding whether he could come back when he they don't even understand the full story. They don't understand who he really is, and the the side that they see to him is the side that he wishes to present, and he has repressed all, all all the bad things that he's done. He's repressed that part of himself. So what makes you think that he's not gonna, you know, repeat his mistakes? And if you're gonna bring him back to the club as a test bed to see, like, okay, let's see whether he can like integrate with everyone. Like, is that a risk that you're willing to take to see if he can integrate? Like, why would you risk it instead of stopping him from striking again? That's just that's just the thing that I couldn't get over. And also another thing is that you said that these are the same people who are telling you to report him to the police. Yes. So these were my friends, like the people in the community were my friends. They were the one who's like, "Oh, report to report him to the police. Like he doesn't deserve a second chance. People like him is just gonna continue striking until until they can be stopped." But they are also the same people that's like, "Oh, let's just give him another chance. You know, he's he he wants to change and stuff like that." So, if you were in my position, you'll be so confused because people are telling you like, "Okay, like he needs to be served justice," but behind closed doors, they're actually like orchestrating like his return, and and. And I felt like, wow, like everything that you said, does that does that not mean anything? Did my story have have no effect on anything at all? So, I think more than devastation, I just felt so powerless, and it just brought me to the same feeling that I had when he abused me. You know, like the same kind of powerless feeling is the same. Like I just I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, that was pretty much how I felt. And on top of that, on top of your own club, your community being like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we're gonna let him back in. We're gonna give him a second chance." People online were literally—I don't even know what the word is—criticizing, making fun of you. And one story that you know what I also really admire about the way you did this was you literally even showed other people's side of the story. What that was, even though it was. Uh, not incriminating, but like, what's the word? Like, even though it was kind of putting you in a, a more negative yeah. light, you still put those up and you're like, this is, you know, if you want to read, read his story. If you want to read, read her story. And that is something I was like, honestly, kudos to you, man. I would not have been able to do that if it were me. Like, that. that is like, you're like, literally read. <laughs> like, you make your own decision on this. <laughs> and one story that you showed that I was literally like, what on earth is wrong <laughs> with these people? I was like, what what is happening? I don't know. So anyway, this girl, we'll name her Jay. Mm-hmm. And she literally reposted your story and added in commentary to each part of it. And yes. basically saying like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You're the one that uh, begged him to stay and all of this, whatever. So who is Jay to you? And how did you feel when you saw all of this being posted back online? So Jay was a friend that Honestly, Jay was the only friend that I confided all my abuse to. She was the only person who knew everything that was happening. And at first, she was disgusted. And she said she wanted to cut contact with him. But I have no idea what happened within the course of yeah, my what humans. I have no idea. Um, I want to blame her totally because I know what he's capable of. I know how he can groom That's girls. True. I know how he can manipulate people. So maybe she fell for it the way I fell for it. Like, I... I can't blame her because I fell for the same things that she fell for. So um, I confided in her and she knew everything that was going on. But because I was so secretive about like my feelings, I didn't really tell her much that was going on with our relationship. But at the same time, he was feeding her like 
his side of the story of what was happening was saying like I was controlling, I was manipulative, like I wouldn't forgive his actions, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let bygones be bygones and that got into her head and she felt like so I don't know, like maybe she felt like she needed to protect him so much to the point where she just posted those stories. I don't know why she felt the need also because I didn't even call her out. I didn't mention yeah. her in my stories. <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what? She's literally just a third party who wants to put her opinion in. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm just so confused by that because I initially thought, the reason why I thought she posted all of this was I thought that she was N. I thought she was the girl that, you know, that was your friend that you cheated. Okay, then it makes a bit of sense. But this is literally makes no sense where she's literally just a third party being like, I support him so I'm going to like bash this girl. Exactly. I think everyone was really surprised because when they went out to talk to me, they were like, is this girl like his current girlfriend or something? And I'm like, no, this girl no. was my friend. This girl is like our mutual friend. And... I don't know what made her support him so much. Maybe she's re- been blinded the same way that I was. Maybe she has a lot of uh, her own issues that I probably can't speak of because like maybe that's what is making her support him so much. I I don't really that's know what's si- Yeah, I don't really know what's like what are the problems that she's facing, but I don't know why in the right mind like why would she ever stand up for someone like him and used yeah my emotional and my mental state after he has abused me so much as a rebuttal as to why we should excuse his actions. Like, and it was so sarcastic and so demeaning. I think that's the word. Like, yes. So demeaning. I Reading it, I was just like, I cannot imagine what you must have felt reading that. And there was something that she said also that really, really triggered me. It's she acknowledged that you were assaulted. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think she said something like, sure, you were assaulted. Sure, this happened to you. But you're not God and you are not the person who should be punishing him. And in my head, I was like, you literally... It's not even that she doesn't believe you. She does. Yeah. But then there is this, like, victim blaming going on, which is something so many survivors have to go through, which is the blame that they will have to kind of endure that, oh, you know, like, this is my fault, did it even happen and all of that. So when I read that, I was like, how how what goes through someone's mind to be like oh yes this person was assaulted but it's her fault yeah you know what i mean that confused me so much because um i feel like even if even like honestly like i'm a sexual assault victim and is it that wrong for me to want to serve justice to him is it wrong for me to want him to you know face the consequences like yes, I'm not God. That's true, and I cannot serve justice. But at the same time, like she God isn't God. doesn't serve justice. The yeah. law does. <laughs> yeah, the law does, and like she's not God either, and she doesn't get to decide what he deserves and what he doesn't deserve. You know, like he, she is in no place to decide. If like, anyone decides that it's you, I mean, that, and the other girls, he is traumatized. Yes, I agree too. Like he has, like traumatized so many girls, and some of them are minors as well, and they are growing up with all these experiences, coming up to me and saying like, "Oh, this guy did this." seven years ago and you know like if he's doing this seven years ago like to this jay girl who is she to decide what is a like what is a good punishment and what is a good time for us to give him like to change and stuff like that like who is she to decide all this she's just someone who is a friend to him someone he confided into she has seen only one side of the story and she refuses to see my side and to understand why i'm acting that way so who is she out of everyone to decide what he deserves and how, how, how people should react to him. Like, she's really no place. Yeah. yeah. And I think this applies to everyone that participates in victim blaming and victim shaming. 
you know when stories like this come out which you know what going back to like why people don't say it soon this is why people don't exactly this is exactly she literally proved the point to show why people don't speak about this sooner survivors like the backlash that you went through and these are just people talking about it online yeah i don't even know what people are saying and you don't know what people are saying so like i think i hope that people listening like they now understand like literally they've now witnessed like this is exactly why people don't come forward because they're scared of going through this and i don't know i mean i felt hurt for you when she was calling you crazy manipulative psychotic and stuff like that i was like what on earth man like i know that those i just felt like none of those things i know i'm none of those things i just felt like those Good, words yeah. came from him you know like those are what yeah. he was calling me and that's what he's calling but that's what she's calling me and i think that shows that how easily manipulated people are under him and how he's able to lie and cheat again and that's why i'm just trying to like i'm trying to show people like this is how he is you know like you don't know who he is i i've seen the bad sides of him and this is my story and if you're telling me like oh your experience is like you are the you're the manipulative one you're the crazy one then i have no argument for that because if you're going to defend him I can't do anything. Yeah. And I think a lot of people also, like, don't realise that, you know, yes, okay, I think some people's rebuttal is that, oh, but not every survivor that comes up is tells the truth. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a small percentage of people, a very, very teeny tiny percentage of people who ruin what survivors have and, like, this is their fault, really, for lying about this and having to put survivors that actually really go through it through doubt. But I think people fail to understand that, like, that is a teeny, teeny, tiny percentage. And that should not reflect on the rest of survivors who are brave enough to speak out about it. And so if that's what people are going to say about, like, she may be lying. I would choose to believe, like, whether or not... I know for a fact you're not lying. But I'm just saying that if me as a stranger looking... Even though I know that there is a small, teeny, tiny percentage of people who do lie about it, I will choose to believe that you didn't. And let's say one day, you know, not you, like, let's say, like, someone else, like, comes, their story comes out and they're like, oh, you know, she was actually lying. I'm like, all right, fine. Then that's my decision that I chose to believe her. And she lied. That's just sucks. And I hope that no one else does it. But I will stick by that. Like, I will not even question. And I think a lot of people don't either. So I really hope that, like, you know, with this whole rebuttal, like, oh, but she might have been lying. Just believe. Like, there's really not, nothing to lose yes. by believing. And if, let's oh, say, sorry. that 1.0001% of them did lie, then there's something wrong with them. And actually, I so. think, like, from my stories, I was actually being very factual, and I did state that these yeah. are all my opinions and my POVs, but when they came back with their rebuttals, it was all very emotionally based. There wasn't Plus, any no. facts yes. to, like, back up. That's why I wasn't really worried when I saw those responses and his response. And it was interesting that he, in his response, he didn't even mention anything about the sexual assault. He actually yes. just mentioned, like, all our relationship problems. And I think this is what... Uh, a manipulator does is that because he has female colleagues following following him on his Instagram, he wants to frame his story in a way that it's a relationship problem. It's not a sexual assault problem. And I think yeah. people need to understand that that's a very telltale sign of someone who manipulates and lies and twists a story. Yeah. And if anything, um, the victim, you should always be on the side of victim first because she's the one that needs the support. They are the one that needs as much support as they can to fight this. And if she, if they turn out to be the one who are lying, then then we just have to apologize, so I guess. Like, you know, like... Yeah, like, exactly, like, okay, then fine, I accept it, they like, whatever. But, yeah. like, what you said, always believe the victim. Because, yeah. like, really, like, 
there is a 0.0001% chance. And I'm really willing to take that risk, you know. So, yeah, I just... And I really like the way that you were like, you know, I hope they find peace. Those people, like, I would be so angry. <laughs> and you were so nice. Like, you were just like, I hope they find peace within this hate. And I'm like, girl... Because I really meant it. I feel like for them to be in that position to support him, they must be really going through something themselves. They must be confused themselves. So if anything, I just want them to just journey this on their own and find out that this is not the road that they should be taking. And I don't want to force them. I don't want to control them. And I just want them to know that like I will still be there for them when they do decide that this is not the side that they want to support. And I want to lend my hand. And I I've, I always end my messages whenever with these people. It's like, oh, I hope you get better and take care. Because I don't want them to feel bad about the decisions that they make. But I just want them to reflect more on what they're doing. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And another thing that you also did talk about is how you have to watch your friends be friends with him. Yeah. How, what is that like? Um, well, I, I don't know how to say this, but I just felt like, I had no trust to anyone because I felt like if you're able to still support him, I know that, you know, you're trying to put your feelings aside, you're trying to put, like, you know, he's still this person to you. But to me, it's like, I don't know if I can trust you the same way that I used to because he could confide many things in you because he is someone who can lie and manipulate. What is he telling you? And what am I telling you? And I'm a type of person that I don't really badmouth him as much. The only thing I do is just post Instagram stories with factual evidence. And... Um, when I see my friends being friends with him, it just feels like a, a kick to my face that um, my story didn't do anything much and that they didn't really consider my feelings as much as I would want them to. And these are some of these friends are actually my really close friends. Some some of them are the people that I confide, confided into, like Jay. And to see people um, not pick a side or just be very neutral or like even be on his side it really hurts my feelings and the trust that I have in people is really shaken now to the point where I don't even know who I can trust, who I can talk to. I don't even know how I'm supposed to go out and face these people. I don't know what people are talking about me. I don't know what people are thinking about me. And it, was really, it just really hurts to be me, to see my friends being friends with him. Yeah, and I think the worst part is that these are people that you've told what happened and they believed you. Yeah. And they know what happened. And you know it's hard because putting everything aside, like the sexual assault and the abuse and everything, it was a breakup. It's a relationship breakup. And in a relationship breakup, there are always these group of mutual friends that have to pick sides. You know what we're talking about? Yeah. Like, that is what you can pick sides. Like, that is something that, okay, fine, pick your side <laughs> or whatever. This is like a full other situation, okay? But even, let's say, like, putting all of that aside, already, like, just like that, like, when you see them picking sides and realizing that, like, oh, you know, you have to be, like, of course you can be friends with him. Like, of course. I'm not going to tell you not to be friends with him. Yeah. Please, you know, do whatever you want. But when you add this on top of it, and you actually see them being friends with them with him, and in your place, you're like, well, it's not my place to tell them not to be friends with him. And what kind of, like, ex-girlfriend would I look like? Like, oh, no, you can't be friends with my ex. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I can't see your friends hanging out with him and acknowledging that he did all of that but it's fine yeah it really it's hurts. like what you said like my story didn't do anything like exactly like, even though you believe me it didn't do anything yeah I'm, i mean i will never understand why my friends do this and i'm not gonna judge i'm not in a place to judge them why they do yeah but i just hope that they know that it does hurt to see the actions that they're doing and you know it, they are lending my their support to me but at the same time they're not doing much 
to stop enabling him at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, it could be like, oh, they want to give him another chance because he can change and whatever. But I don't know. I think it's just there are no words yeah. to be like, oh, like looking at them like, okay, give him another chance. But you know exactly how many chances you gave to him. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I hope I hope that you do have like a group of people at least that are completely with you and not like have no contact with him at least um actually i don't really (laughs) i've been most of my friends even the close guy friend that i confided Mm. to he was like should i meet him then we can talk about the problems like no don't meet him like don't try to hear his side of the story but yeah so i do have like one one friend who is our mutual friend but she's super like she's super supportive of me she doesn't want anything to do with him she has unfollowed him on social media and everything i'm so glad and um I think having that one person support you honestly is it's enough. enough. It's like enough yeah. strength for me. I just need my family. Yeah. I need my close friends. And I just need one person who's a mutual friend that supports me. And that's enough yes. for me. I don't need any more. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad to hear that at least one person. Because <laughs> I was scared. I was like, wait, like, that must be... I can't even imagine. Like, to have literally no one, like, cut contact off with him completely. I'm so glad that this friend has done that and believes you and is supporting you through it and yeah like i i think that that well like what you said it's enough it's more than enough and i think you know what with time people are going to realize and they're just going to feel stupid later that they didn't see it earlier but then that's not your problem because you'll be fine and recovered yes hopefully. i'll be moving <laughs> well, on from 90%. this <laughs> i hope so i definitely would have moved on but okay like talking about you know recovery now that we've kind of like covered the whole story how are you right now in this moment how are you like genuinely um i wouldn't say that i'm like doing amazing or anything i'm still living a lot of like the nightmares that i have and the consequences of the relationship i have with him have definitely changed my mindset on things the way i socialize with people the way um i build trust with people is definitely not the same and i think he has really affected me in a way where my whole lifestyle has completely changed and as much as um it hurts and as much as it's difficult for me to move on this is what i have to accept that this is my new normal now i'm gonna have to start my life again i'm gonna have to um get my life started and have new hobbies and yeah i guess that's just where i am right now is just starting again and starting anew and just reconnecting with old friends um rebuilding my relationship with my family and just getting new hobbies because as much as I w- want people to support me, it's not going to be the case. So I feel like if I really want inner peace for myself, I will just have to tear myself away from this toxic environment and just start anew again. And this is the journey that I'm starting. It still hurts. Um, I still cry every day when I think about these kind of things and it still hurts me so much. And sometimes it's very difficult, difficult for me to get out of bed. But I, this is a recovery that I'm still going through and I'm very hopeful that I'm going to get through this and I'm going to be better. You know, the fact that you could tell this whole story without shedding one tear. And I know inside it must be, you must be experiencing so much anxiety even talking about all of this and going through reliving that trauma. And I thank you for being able to do that to help so many other people. And I know that pain that you're going through inside, even though you're smiling now, like I know that probably once this is over, it's going to hit you again. And the fact that you could go through this entire thing without shedding a tear, I think it just shows so much of how far you've come. And yeah, there's a whole process to recovery, but 
don't discredit yourself on how far you've already come. Definitely. And the fact that you could do this interview and talk about it calmly, collectively, like, it just shows so much. And I'm so proud of you, even though obviously we're not close friends, but like, listening to this, it's like, I'm so proud of how you managed to get through this. I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, I don't, I don't <laughs> want, I want to make sure that whatever this is, like, in the end of the day, it helps you more than anyone. I just, like, okay, yes, you know, we can help other people, but I hope that talking about this has helped you in some way and you know that I, you have my full support, like, 100%. I don't know this person. I don't want to know his story, whatever. And you have my 100% belief and I hope you know that. Thank you so much. I'm, like, so happy that you brought me on to talk about this because um, as much as it is also talking about my experience, I think someone out there who's listening, they'll probably be like, oh, my God, I can relate to some parts of the stories and that is the whole point of me going on and talking to you about it because if someone yeah. can resonate, that's great. Like, that's the whole point of it. You helped one person. I helped yeah. one person. I just need to help one person <laughs> out there. And you know that you've done something, right? Yeah. What are some avenues that you use to seek help that you can share with people who have gone through similar situations? Or if you know any? Um, so I have a friend. Um, when she heard about what happened, she actually contacted SACC for me, which is a sexual assault center. Um, and it's a free service that you can um, call in to um, either one, make a police report, two, ask for counselling. And either of these things, they will provide it for free. So um, yes. SECC actually provided me a case manager that would listen to my case and would help me to like either make a police report or to help me uh, engage in a counsellor that will help me get through it. So um, for SECC right now, I'm still engaged with them and I'm still in the process of um, um, doing what I can in my recovery. But I think for a lot of people that don't have the money to reach out for help or to get a lawyer or to get therapy, SECC is like a great place to st- get started mm. because they are so friendly. They are so like welcoming and they're very willing to help you. It's just that uh, with a lot of free services, there's a lot of waiting time because a lot of people need yes. help. There's It's a lot more common than you think. So um, SEC is one of the avenues. I, sh- I also went for therapy and therapy is really expensive, by the way. Like I didn't know. It's great. Therapy is like, it burns a hole in your wallet, but... Um, oh, I'm it really s- does. Yeah, it, but, <laughs> it does. But I'm so blessed that my parents are able to afford it and they are super like mm. um, supportive of me of getting help. And I think therapy has really been the biggest bug of why my recovery has been going so well and why I'm able to like step out a second time to talk about these issues and why I'm able to even be here today is because of the therapy and how much it has built my confidence. I know therapy is really like it's so amazing but also like it's very hard to find the right therapist and that's a whole journey it's like dating it really is like to find the right therapist for you it's so hard I'm so glad you managed to find one and you managed to connect with this person so well to help you along this recovery journey that's still going to take a while and I know for sure that you you know come out a hundred times stronger I hope so if there was something that you can say to your assaulter what would you say um I would say you are an adult you have committed so many crimes and you know you have affected so many people's lives and I just wanted to ask him like did our lives not matter when you did those selfish acts? And are you going to keep pushing your offences under the rug? You know, I just hope that my assaulter, as he enters his 30s, he's going to leave behind this lifestyle. He's going to stop falling back to the same trends. And I hope he reconnect with his old friends, with uh, reconnect with his family. He has a very loving family. And I hope he makes connections with people his age that can offer him, like, 
like value add more positive things to his life. And as much as he's doing all these wrong things, and I hope and I do really hope that he gets the justice that he deserves, I really hope that he develops his character on his own. And if he is ever listening to this podcast, I, I don't know if he ever will, is that um, you know, like just don't fall back into the same behavior and stop making excuses for for himself. Yeah. And if anything, um, um, if anything, he has made me stronger. So yeah, that's the last thing I want to say. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> and the last question I have, I think, is how can allies help survivors? What kind of support would you like to receive, and what kind of support can people offer? You think? I think in situations like this, if anything, words of encouragement, just a simple text like "Oh, you can do this. I support you." That's honestly just. A very big part of my recovery, the fact that people were coming up to me and being so supportive, and I think if you are a friend of someone who has been sexually assaulted, first thing you should do is believe them, believe their story, understand them, take time to sit down and understand their story, and and really don't make excuses for yeah. anything that's happened to them. You know, um, I feel like some of my friends maybe they weren't very equipped in um understanding my situation so they approached me in a way that I felt like I was being blamed sometimes so as allies I think we need to remain as compassionate as possible and to um really call out the behaviors of their friends example if you know someone who like committed a sexual assault call out his actions tell him it's not right don't enable him don't say like oh um even though you're my friend I'm I will forgive you but this is wrong but you should be putting them up like hold them accountable for their actions and I think yeah. I have a lot of like silent allies that are doing what they can on their own without having to tell me like oh I'm doing this I'm doing that and I think that I'm, I appreciate that so much yeah so I yeah. think as a whole like allies just listen to them lend them their support don't enable the perpetrator like the 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 the, the person who assaulted them yeah that's all I and can say and don't see. doubt the victim don't doubt the victim at all. Like, we have yeah. so many problems already. Doubting us is just going to end up two more. Yeah. Of course. Well, that's all the questions I have. Thank you so, so much, really, for coming on and talking about this. I think your story, I mean, as much as, yes, it's going to help someone else, I, I really, like I said, I really hope that it's got some, I don't know, some sort of relief or some sort of, like, just ability to take a breath you know that you managed to share this again and in person with your voice this time <laughs> and not like through words so it's i think it's really going to change many people's lives and thank you so much for coming on really thank you for this opportunity like i'm really really thankful that you're able to hear me out and you were so sweet the whole time and yeah i hope that whoever's listening to this get some kind of empowerment or some kind of like um you know like uh motivation to do something whether you're an ally or whether you're a survivor. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I'll definitely leave like many links and resources below in the episode itself and on my Instagram. If people want to find you and do you want people to find you or do you want not people to not find you? Um, if you want to find me, sure. <laughs> okay. So you want to plug yourself, your dance stuff. Where where can they find you to watch your dance videos? Okay, so... Uh, do I you mean, have... Do you... Oh yes, I'm in a, actually I'm in a dance crew and we're called Team Mix. It's T-E... AMXX and we do dance covers with um, a lot of uh, we do a lot of genres of like K-pop so um, 
If you're interested in dance or in K-pop, you can check us out on our YouTube channel. Um, we have a group of very lovely girls who stand up towards our sexual assaulters. <laughs> so if yes, anything, girl, yeah, so yes, support girls. I'm gonna binge watch your dance videos. <laughs> thank Definitely, you so much. And everyone should go support. So thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.